Hello, and thank you for joining the Armchair Champions podcast once again. Uh, this is uh, Tori coming at you. Um, uh, just uh, giving you a take today on the uh, Colts game um, as the Dallas Cowboys go to Indianapolis to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, first, let me apologize. I've been away for a couple of weeks. I do apologize. It's been kind of busy. <laughs> For me, I've been back and forth doing a few different things, and I really hadn't sat down and taken the time to record on any of the last two games between the Saints and the Eagles. Um, wasn't really a whole lot of time for me to get my thoughts together and, you know, just uh, give you what I was looking for um, in each game. I do apologize to those of you who are listening. Um, and... I can tell you at least a little bit about my experience when I uh, went to AT&T Stadium to take on, to uh, watch the Cowboys take on the Saints on Thursday night football. Um, it was fun, um, and again, I do apologize. I really didn't get a lot of um, uh, feedback or anything of that nature from anybody I was around, the live interactions. Um, it was kind of a it was kind of a time crunch to between when I got to the stadium and you know when. The game was starting. Um, a lot of a lot of things going on around the stadium. They had a uh, sort of a pregame concert and everything. Um, so really didn't get to have a whole lot of interaction with other people who might want to at least give their take on the game. Um, but did have a good time. Um, I can tell you, um, on the way to the stadium, you know, at first I was trying to remain reserved. Um, but then I walked the crosswalk to get to the stadium, um, surrounded by Saints fans. And as soon as I hit that corner, I just heard a whole lot of um, who that nation, just, you know, just ramping up and going, you know, going on about the team and everything. And something in me just, it's just a switch flipped, and the next thing you know, I was just reeking blue and silver. Just, you know, just I saw a man waving a flag, a big flag, saying, You're in Cowboys country. I pointed to that flag, and I told everybody around that was a Saints fan, I was like, All right, you guys need to recognize where you're at. And I pointed right to that flag, you know, and then from then on, it was just, you know, just all in. I was all in. You know, I was all invested, you know, into the, you know, into the moment. I got caught in the moment and, you know, just, and then the Cowboys didn't let me down that night. <clears throat> we won that game. Um, and I, I at that point, I remained reserved because, you know, I was like, well, I don't really need to say anything because we won. Um, So I did have a lot of fun, and it seemed like the night was tailor-made for me. Even though it wasn't, it just felt that way because just moment to moment, just a whole lot of past legends, you know, just they're having the Ring of Honor induction for Gil Brandt. Um, they honored the 1993 championship Cowboys. You had so many legends in that building. I mean, you had Charles Haley, Alvin Harper. Daryl Johnson, Bill Bates, um, just to name a few. You know, you had uh, Michael Irvin, 
um, Troy Aikman was there, uh, Roger Staubach, Bob Lilly, Tony Dorsett. I mean, you had so, you know, that was just to name just a few of the many Cowboys legends that took the field. Um, it was just an awesome, awesome night. I wouldn't have, um, I truly wouldn't have dreamed that it was going to be that kind of awesome, you know, just going to the game alone. You know, it was just a, an event on itself. But just having all that greatness in the building on the same night is just like that night felt tailor-made for me. You know, um, I recommend if anybody goes to an NFL game, even if you're not a fan of football, um, I do recommend go to AT&T Stadium, you know. Um, it definitely carries that larger than life thing that, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, you know, feel and vibe, you know, whether you're a fan of the Cowboys, a fan of the team they're playing, or just not really a fan of football or a casual fan of football, I do recommend going to that stadium. It is, you know, just, you know, it's a pretty good atmosphere and the atmosphere alone was worth it. That that was the the most enamoring thing for me was the atmosphere you know just all those fans you know even though I was surrounded by Saints fans even in the stand where I was sitting I still had Cowboys fans that actually could you know you know offer some you know offer a little bit of uh support and everything in fact a lot of support you know and it, it was fun it was just fun you know you know, did a little bit of John and trash talk, you know, here and there, but, you know, it was all in fun. You know, that's the beauty of football. You know, it's a point in time when you can trash talk and it's still all, you know, at the end of the day, it's still all in the fun of the sport, you know. So I definitely enjoyed that. And, you know, do I see myself going again? Absolutely. It was, like I said, a good experience. And, you know, I it was my first NFL game, and I just thought I'd share that. So, if you're a fan of the Cowboys, you at least want to get to AT&T Stadium, um, at least once if you've never been to a game, or you know, if you want to see them play at an NFL venue. If you're not local in Dallas or whatever, um, you want to go to the game. I used to see them. You know, me, I'm not local to Dallas, but, you know, when I went, you know, I went watching the game. So it was just just the anticipation alone. It was great. Um, and like I said, I can't wait to get to go again, you know, and hopefully it'll be just the same experience for me as well. So I had a good time and yeah, we got the win that made it even better. And the rough part was riding home with Saints fans. It wasn't rough, but, you know, it wasn't rough. It was just, you know, I didn't want to sound, you know, just, you know, too too happy because I know that was kind of a, a tough loss for the Saints, you know, especially with such a close game, you know. But other than that, for the sake of football, you know, we were just able to, like, eh, you know, it is what it is. But um, they definitely, I, I have a lot of respect for the New Orleans Saints. I have, I've, I always have. And, you know, 
it's nothing bitter or anything that was a tough loss for them. So I really felt no need to, you know, add on any extra. You know, I remain the sportsman that I usually try to remain myself, you know. And it was all in good fun. All in good fun. So moving on from that, what I want to get into next is, of course, the upcoming game that we have against the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to be playing at Lucas Oil Stadium at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Um, so that's going to be an away game for us. Now, my feelings about the game, we are facing a team that is basically fighting like underdogs. We are facing a team that has had an, a sur uh, surge in you know, consistency. They've piled up a string of wins. Um, they have a they have a, a, a decent defense. Their offense is sort of moving. They're protecting the quarterback very well. Um, they have a number one receiver, obviously, in T.Y. Hilton. You know, and this is offense that's not afraid to go downfield on you. They're not afraid of it at all. Um, and they even have a formidable running back um, who could, you know, who could have a decent outing. Um, my feelings on this, for all intents and purposes, is it feels kind of like a trap game. I mean, I say that because, look, we win this game and we pretty much clinch the division, which punches our tickets to the playoffs. That punches the ticket for the Dallas Cowboys into the dance um, in, in the postseason. That gives them a season in January. Now, with this win, that pretty much gives the Cowboys, you know, hey, we got a playoff appearance. However, this is not a team we're just going to roll over. Um, as most of the teams that we played haven't been teams that just roll over. Um, the Colts are not so wildly inconsistent that they have a good game and then they come back and have a really bad game. They've been consistently tough. They've been consistently in the games, you know, and then they come out with some wins. They come out with some decent wins. They come out with some hard-fought wins, um, but they've been consistent with it. Um, the thing that's probably going to be a cause for concern, of course, with the Dallas Cowboys is going to be the offensive play. Um, last time I checked, as far as injuries, we're going to be missing Zach Martin for the day. He's going to be out. Um, I'm not sure whether or not Tyron Smith's going to be in the game or not. But we will be missing uh, Zach Martin. Um, last time I checked, Sean Lee was limited in practice, but I'm not sure whether he's going to be suiting up uh, tomorrow or not. But um, we will have to see how that goes with Sean Lee's situation. And with Zach Martin being out, in my opinion, that leaves an entire side of the line just vulnerable. Because if they're going to put Connor Williams in Zach Martin's spot, and you have Lyle Collins, who truthfully should be in Zach Martin's spot, uh, but I'm not going to get into those uh, semantics. Um, to me, both of those guys, one's out of position. Collins is out of position. 
he's a true guard. He's not a tackle. They're trying to convert him into something that he's not, and I've had a problem with that for at least the last couple of years. He gets you at least one or two hold calls a game, you know, and he also causes at least one or two sacks a game, just on my observation um, of the quarterback. And then Connor Williams, he is a guard. He was drafted as a guard. And just on my observation, he gets whipped on the line. He's kind of undersized. You know, he his upper body strength needs a lot of conditioning and a lot of, you know, a lot of work. So, I mean, as it stands right now, for all we know, he, he could uh, go into the offseason and rectify that and then come back and be basically when he was drafted as high as he was drafted for. He was a second-round pick. So he could very well live up to that second round billing, you know, with an offseason uh, regimen and program. But as it stands now, from what I see, he gets whipped on that line. Um, and him guarding, you know, him guarding the the interior, um, that is a frightening thing because now you have two guys who, you know, seem to be um, out of position. And if that end of the pocket collapses and Dak sees it coming, he's probably going to make a lot of errant throws, you know, a lot of errant throws. And um, that's not a good thing, especially not with a quarterback who still has accuracy issues and Dak Prescott. Now, he had a great game last week against Philly um, as far as racking up the yards and the touchdowns he threw, but he also threw two interceptions. Um, he got sacked uh, a multitude of times. He held the ball a lot. He was responsible at least for a fumble or two. Um, that's definitely not a good thing when your quarterback is, um, is I won't say prone, but I'll say is um, susceptible to turnovers. Um, he's he, There's a chance that he could actually cough up the ball a couple of times. That's not a good thing when, you know, even when he sees it coming, those guys can get whipped at the line. So hopefully Mark Colombo, the uh, offensive line coach at, you know, at the stands in position, hopefully he's working on that and he's getting those guys ready. I mean, as ready as they've ever been for this game, especially with a game of this magnitude where if you win, you basically punch your ticket to the playoffs. So this needs to be addressed in practice, and I hope it has been all week. And we will see tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m whether or not it's been addressed or not. Scoring on that offense, a, a, a huge concern. Um, play calling still, you know, still a lot of conservative play calling going on, and it didn't really open up until, well, against Philly until like late, fourth quarter. That's when they scored all their points. First three quarters, maybe a field goal. Outside of that, not a lot of movement turnovers and not a lot of movement no you know uh, fundamentally unsound calls you know penalties things like that again not a lot of ball movement drive killing penalties you know just all those things that come into play and you know drive killing plays you know it's third and 15 and you throw up a screen pass and gain like five six yards that's not gonna help um and for as much as we say that offensive coordinator needs to get more creative, it doesn't look like he's getting 
significantly creative. Maybe a play or two here, and it seems like that's all that can be mustered, but then you just revert right back to good old dink and dunk or whatever conservative plays are run, you know? And I thought I've heard that, you know, they, they I, at least I thought I heard that there was a lot of audibling going on that got those points against the Eagles, which shows you these guys, this team wants to win. They want to win. I don't know about the, 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 the coaching staff is, in my opinion, not preparing these guys, you know, to win. They're not putting them in a position to win in that, you know, manner. They're not putting them in a position to win. These guys have to find their own way to win. So the offensive coaching staff, they need to, they need to do something or they, they, they've got to go. And I think that this game needs to be the litmus test. That needs to be the litmus test as to whether or not uh, whether or not changes <laughs> changes are going to have to be made because it seems like the the very people who are sort of handcuffing this team from winning or scoring points are the ones that are on the sideline and in the booth running the plays that they think are going to be effective. Um, now me, I am pro. Yes, yeah, Scott Linehan has to go. I don't care win, lose, draw, tie. Well, a draw is a tie. Win, lose, draw. I don't care. Scott Linehan has to go for me. The play calling never changed. My opinion, Romo was the offense when he was there. He covered a lot of the inefficiencies of the offensive coaching staff and even the head coaching staff. He saved, in my opinion, he saved the uh, head coach a lot of times with his his um, acumen, his football acumen, his football know-how, knowledge, and IQ. Romo has saved that coaching staff. Romo is no longer there. It's time for them to do their jobs. And if they don't do their jobs, they've got to go, period, hands down, non-negotiable to me. Um, they have to put points on the board. The offense is going to run through Zeke, and I hope Zeke's okay. He did practice early this week. I believe it's because he's been he's tired. He reaches his. I believe he's tired. He he's basically leading by example on that offense. He's a bona fide leader on that team. Um, and I think he's just trying to lead by example, his will to win, you know, and then, you know, he and Dak feed off each other, in my opinion, on that one. And, but Zeke is basically the workhorse. And I believe that Zeke was just tired and hopefully we can help Zeke out. You know, we can get him some carries. Of course, we want to give Zeke the ball. And I know he wants to be on the field. But we don't want this man getting hurt, especially if we want to make a playoff run or run in the playoffs. You know, so we need to effectively protect our running back and our quarterback. And I I think unless the the offense, the, the players figure out a way to protect those two players or protect each other as a unit, despite the lack of creative play calling that, you know, I'm seeing that a lot of us Cowboys fans have been pointing out if they, if they, unless they find a way themselves to protect each other, I don't think that this staff is really going to be able to protect either. Not a Zeke, not a Dak, no receivers. I don't know if they'll be able to protect those guys. And also, on the offensive line, we've got to watch out because the defense for the Colts, again, like I said, they have a decent defense. They've been playing well, uh, as opposed to the past years where their defense has been abysmal.
So we have to watch out for that. Um, hopefully they'll be ready for that front four. And then their rookie linebacker is having a pretty good year. Um, one of the uh, one of the side stories are basically their rookie linebacker versus our own Leighton Vander Esch. You know, who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year? Um, basically a head-to-head. Apparently it's been being billed or sort of, uh, you know, an undercard is a head-to-head before a defensive rookie of the year. Um, so we need to be watching out for that. Um, this is the front seven all together. And we definitely need to make sure that we're able to um, play successful against that front seven. Now, on the defensive side, what we need to be looking out for is the fact that the pocket doesn't just collapse around Andrew Luck like it used to. Um, basically, before Andrew Luck came back, like he he like before and Andrew Luck, he spent some time out due to shoulder injury. Um, he spent a lot of time early on before those injuries, running for his life, throwing the ball under the rest, getting hit as he's throwing the ball. Um, so a lot of that wear and tear, it went into basically what happened, you know, as far as him sustaining an injury. Uh, but he's back and it looks like he's, you know, slowly but surely returning to form, um, the form they got him first round pick. Um, and it also looks like that uh, line is protecting extremely well as opposed to before, you know, he suffered his injury. Um, so for the defensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, um, I think it's all going to come around the edges. We need to try to establish a presence on the edges, you know, forcing the slide into the pocket or we need to disrupt the pocket somehow. Around the middle, I'm not so sure. Um especially with a with a guy like a David Irving out. We do have a Malik Collins and Anton Woods. Um, we would need them to step up in a major way if we're going to disrupt the pocket up the middle. But right now, I think we need to establish an edge presence first, and then we need to worry about collapsing the pocket up the middle. Um, linebacking core, we need to be running out. We're watching out for the Colts running back because, you know, he could very well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, could very well be a game changer if, you know, the, the, the opportunity came. So we need that field cut literally in half and we need the linebacker core to do it. So Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch definitely watching on that field, um, you know, watching the backfield. And if Sean Lee is there, we definitely would, he could definitely come to some use as well. Um, and also for the linebacker core, I think one of the major assignments is going to be Eric Ebron, um, the tight end. He was drafted, uh, from UNC by the Detroit Lions, and then they cut him. Um, he's uh, he's come on um, this year since being with the Colts. He's sort of had a, a rebirth, if you will, and he seems to be playing at a high level. So I think the linebackers, in addition to watching that backfield, they're also going to have to find a way to scheme for Eric Ebron. And I think if they're able to take him out of the equation, it might make it a little bit easier to um, – focus on the backfield as well. Um, secondary is going to have to be on high alert because T.Y. Hilton can break a run at any time. Um, I feel my personally, if they need to put a cornerback and a safety, uh, uh, put them on, put a cornerback on them and a safety over top, 
or maybe run a nickel package to try to contain him somewhere between the uh, cornerbacks and try to leave the safeties free. Um, either way, I believe that given his speed and the fact that he can make those uh, surface catches, I think T.Y. Hilton's going to need double coverage, but um, that's just my observation. Um, he is their top receiver, and I think he needs to be a, a point of uh, interest for this game. <clears throat> so overall, the defenses really needs to be watching the tight end, running back, and uh, the number one receiver. Um, hopefully a game planning for that as well. And I think the defense will perform well, but we do need to get some points on the board. Overall, uh, I think the defense is going to do what they normally do. They're going to come out and they do their thing. They're the most consistent unit we've had. Offense needs to score points. Um, they need to score points. And I'm talking about every time they get the ball, they need to come away with some points. Now, and they can come away with field goals, but it can't be the end result of the majority of your drives. You can't keep kicking field goals and expect to win the game, especially when you have a quarterback and a receiver that can connect for touchdowns. You know, that's a four-point difference between series. And those four points can add up if you keep kicking field goals, and they can surpass you. Um, so it's all going to be in the offense. And as far as the staff, this needs to be a litmus test as to whether the staff can truly carry this young team into the postseason to make a deep playoff run. This needs to be a litmus test to Jerry Jones to see whether or not he needs a staff that's going to get them to the next level and stay with the same staff that is going to keep getting them right there and then dropping off. So this needs to be a litmus test for that staff. Um, in my observation for Jerry Jones, this needs to be the gauge by which he measures whether or not this team's going to go go places or keep going to the same spot and then return back to square one. My prediction for the game, I'd say it's going to be a tight game because, you know, you have two formidable defenses. So I would say 21-17, and I say it's Dallas on a close one, 21-17. That's how I'm going to call it. Um, that's my prediction. Um, for the Cowboys, 21-17, the Cowboys coming out the victors and getting that division win. So that's pretty much uh, my breakdown of the game coming up. Like I said, in my opinion, Jerry Jones needs to use this needs to use this as a gauge as to whether or not he needs new coaches to get those guys to the next level. This is where the coaching has to prove itself. I mean, absolutely positively has to prove itself. You win the game and you are in the playoffs. This is where they need to make their bread. So this this is my take on the game. Well, and that's pretty much all I've got for today. Um, so I'm going to make sure that I do my due diligence and give you a reaction to the uh, game after it's done, after the final, you know, it won't be immediately, but I will make sure to get my reaction to the game, my thoughts to the game up, um, maybe in a couple of days after the game, one or two days. Um, I'll have plenty of time in those coming days, so I'll definitely make it a point to do my due diligence and get back to you guys just to let you know I haven't disappeared or dropped off the face of the earth. Like I said, it was a busy last couple of weeks, so I do apologize to you, and I thank you for tuning back in to me. 
Um, so I'll get you those thoughts and we'll see what happens tomorrow at one o'clock at Lucas Oil Stadium. So let me go on. Um, you all have a nice weekend and hopefully the game turns in our favor. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, I'll see you on the sidelines. Take care. God bless. Thank you.